to mark 10 amazing years of celebrating sound and story and listening, we're going to close out this year's conference with something a little different than we ever have, a special conversation about inspiration, about collaboration, about creativity, and about storytelling. These things we've been talking about all week will all come together in this session. And we hope this will leave your ears ringing in the best possible way. It's a real pleasure to introduce Andrew Bird and Jay Ryan, incredible artists, unique collaborators, and great friends. Andrew was born in Chicago, has spent a lot of time here in the city and in rural Illinois, has been playing music of some sort since he was four. He's won praise from the New York Times and NPR, among many, many others, for his unique approach to songwriting, including the guitar, the glockenspiel, a somewhat unconventional use of the violin and electronics and his trademark whistling. Andrew's also been busy outside the recording studio. He's been featured on David Letterman. He's blogged for the, he's blogged for the New York Times. And e earlier this year, he even performed at the Guggenheim, surrounded by a site-specific installation of, I think, 96 or 100 speaker horns, his trademark uh, speakers on stage. And he's fresh off the plane from Portugal. So that's Andrew. Jay is from St. Louis, but has been screen printing posters in Chicago since 1995 and does this now at his own print shop, The Bird Machine, just north of the border of Chicago and Evanston. Jay's known for his humorous and unfailingly lovable animal subjects, not to mention his computer-free design techniques. Jay's printed hundreds, if not thousands, of rock posters for bands like The Flaming Lips, Shellac, The Decemberists, of course, Andrew, and his own band, Dianoga. That is a plug for Jay's band. And also that band, the Third Coast Festival, he actually made our 2005 poster, which you can find out at the merch table. Uh, he's also published a couple books that feature his work. So today they're basically going to have a conversation, and luckily we get to listen in as they do this, as they share ideas, maybe not unlike the kinds of things they talk about on their marathon bike rides, or cross-country tours, or when they just meet up for a beer at the end of a long day. They'll talk about what inspires them to explore the world around us through music and image, and about how collaborating makes their work stronger. And then they'll explore this process right before our very eyes and ears. So if you're not familiar with Andrew and Jay, I can promise you you're in for a real treat. If you are familiar, and I know many of you are familiar because we've heard a lot of radio with Andrew Bird scoring, then you already know this. One last thing, it's very important, as per their and our request, no recording of this session for your own use. Please respect that. We'll be recording it. We'll be putting a little bit of video on our website, and you can hear the audio in a few weeks. So now that's out of the way. Please welcome Andrew Bird and Jay Ryan. Um, well, I'm a little outside of my comfort zone. I'm a little more nervous than I'd be at a normal concert, so I'm just going to start with a song to get to relax a bit. This is called Dark Matter. Thank you. 
When I was just a little boy I threw away all my action toys While I became obsessed with Operation With hearts and minds and certain glands You gotta learn to keep a steady hand Thus began my morbid fascination Tore the spines from out of all these self-help books Made myself a gun that not only shoots but looks So real it shoots through steel With rays of dark matter Rays of dark matter Is it in your head or between your sides? And who will be the one who will decide its true location? It's a question for the centuries, from communion to mad cow disease. But is it worthy of a song? Vocation. Nooses loosed around our necks made of DNA. And every day it's growing tighter no more, no matter what you do or say. But you can shoot right through with rays of dark matter just before they kick out.
I've never, I've never drawn in front of anybody before, so I figured <laughs> I'd start off by, you know, head first in front of like 500 people. Yeah. Or 375. This is my idea to put Jay on the spot. It worked. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, some of the things we want to talk about today. Well, let me just. I was just thinking while I was doing that song, what. Uh, because I've written it several different ways. One, the first time I wrote it was about sweetbreads, the implications of eating the brains or um, pancreas of an animal or, or, or places where the self might, uh, in throughout history, is thought to be located. And, uh, but then I, I decided um, that verse about mad cow disease might end up as an outro to an NPR piece about mad cow disease. <laughs> and. Uh, and I thought, uh, maybe I wouldn't be cool with that. <laughs> so now it's going to be, an, it could be an outro to a piece about dark matter. Um, but um, what did you draw for that, Jay? Oh, geez, you already, you moved on. Well, you've got the one line in there about um, you built yourself a gun that not only shoots but looks so Yeah, real. out of the spines of books. Yeah, spines of books. Because you're in jail. And Isn't there, yeah, is there a story behind that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there is. One time Andrew escaped <laughs> from jail. He took a cookbook and fashioned a gun. No, it's um, a self-help book, actually. So oh, right. A friend of mine was complaining about uh, that someone gave him a self-help book, and he's like, what am I going to do with this? Like, I could, you know, fashion it into something that looks like a gun and, and frighten someone or something. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that's stuck in my head. And, uh, but you mentioned the game Operation. Oh, right, and Operation, sort of so there's, there's bears. Yeah. yeah, Operation and bears, you know, hand in hand. Right. And you're favoring bears Everybody's today? Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but are, how many bears are being operated upon there? It's sort of like, a, it's like one of those fractals where if you just back up, you just see like, mm -hmm. it's no. Um, we, uh, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about defining uh, the song uh, you're referring to, defining yourself, and so or finding, um, defining where the self is. Oh, and, right, uh, right. And so the bear is looking for the self. As we sat around sipping gin and tonics in front of the fireplace, we <laughs> we settled on. Uh, uh, yeah. The bear. We did a little brainstorm in the last two days, um, but um, uh, what I want to talk about today is like, well, I'm, I've I've known Jay f for years, and and I've known mostly hang out with print artists instead of musicians for the most part. My mother was a print artist, and she studied with Audrey Niffenegger, and I met all these print artists, and and then I met uh, Jay in like '96 at Screwball, and he uh, and then and, and Steve Walters and and Chris Ware, and I, I used to hang out with Chris Ware and play ragtime music. And, um, and uh, so this is kind of my, my social life, is mostly around people who work in the, not just visual artists, but people who work with like the apparatus of the print industry. Like they take actual, you know, letterpress, people over the letterpresses and um, typesetting and and then screen printing, it's all this like kind of, it's, it's visual, but it's like faster and less precious and like, you know, it's, um, yeah. 
So, and it also tends to deal with narrative because it's, it takes, I think because it takes the apparatus of the printing industry and uses it to make art. So a lot of print artists use text and there's narrative and I've kind of felt like that helped complete the picture of a lot of my songs which are not necessarily strict narrative because although I'm a big fan of ballads, you know, Barbara Allen. Huge uh, fan. All ballads. <laughs> What's another ballad? Uh, Anglo-Irish ballads, Appalachian ballads, you know, they go on, they have 50 verses about, you know, some the battle story or story of Edmund Fitzgerald. Murder ballad or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's a cool medium, but it's not, not really my thing. And plus, usually you have about three and a half to four and a half minutes to work with, and that's just not enough time to deal with an arc of a story, I think. You know, it's like you gotta, it's like in a movie where they have the guy walking out the door and getting into his car and driving away. It's just like, <laughs> anyway, so it's like, I tend to kind of uh, deal in like non, a, not a linear narrative, but there are stories in my songs that need to be unlocked, or they don't need to be, but it's fun to unlock them. And it's amazing over the years how few all the interviews I've done, no one asks what the songs mean, and I'm so anxious to talk about it. Because <laughs> it's not really apparent, I'll admit. Um, but anyway, so the, the collaborating with someone like Jay is just perfect, because it's like, uh, what we did with Mysterious Production of Eggs especially was like the, the kind of, the first time we really Sat, we'd done posters before, but we sat down and, and uh, you know, drank coffee and, and, and I talked about what the song was about and, and we, would, we had a, I thought it was very effortless, but of course it was very laborious for you. But I thought at the time it was pretty cool. We were just like, you know, amusing ourselves while Jay is sketching at the same time and I'm talking about the song. I'm like, no, it's about this and this. Should I this show the slides? Oh. Get to yeah, yeah, I'm getting go up that direction? Yeah, no, go ahead. All right. Well, oh, no, I want to talk about one thing first. Oh. When we met, the first time we met, Jay said, hey, you got to check out this band called The Handsome Family. And this is back in uh, 1997. And he played a song for me called The Giant of Illinois, which I still hold up as, has some lines in it that I just would hope in my lifetime to, to write things that um, sad and funny and heartbreaking and amusing at the same time. It's kind of what I go for. Um, and I was just going to play a few lines from different songs that, that totally destroy me with the fewest amount of words. Um, so The Giant of Illinois is, when I'm talking about this, the storytelling, like different ways of telling a story, they don't give you the background. You can do the research yourself and find out what, that there was a, a giant around at the turn of the, turn of the century or something that, uh, not a giant, but a, a kid who was just 10 feet tall in Illinois who um, was employed by a shoe company. I didn't that right? know Yeah, no. he, was, he was advertising shoes. That's how he made his living and joined the circus and all this thing. But died of a blister on his toe. Um, but the, the information they choose to give you is really interesting. I mean, it just goes, the giant to Illinois Died of a blister on his toe 
After walking all day through the first winter snow Throwing bits of stale bread To the last speckled dog He never even felt His shoes filled with blood this is the part that destroys me. Delirious with pain, his bedroom walls began to glow. And he felt himself floating up through fallen snow. And the sky was a woman's arm. The sky was a woman's arm. And that, uh, Delirious with pain, the bedroom walls began to glow. He felt himself floating up through falling snow, and the sky was a woman's arm. Like, what? The sky was a woman's arm? It remains mysterious to this day, but it's just, like, breaks your heart. You don't know really what, what Rennie Sparks is saying there, but um, anyway, um, that's kind of what I'm talking about. There's a couple other songs that, are, that have this kind of sad, funny thing going on, like... Um, one called Tinfoil, it's like, this is just a line from the dub. Uh, Liza Minnelli spent a month in a bed Certain that Skylab would fall on her head An evil Knievel shot up from dead grass I loved him better each time that he crashed what is moving will be still What is gathered will disperse What's been built up will collapse All of your dreams are fulfilled So that's one that, you know, uh, another one is, is Don't Be Scared, which, which I've recorded, um, recorded covers of all these songs, um, and is also quite Heartbreaking, um, and uh, let's see, I'll do a little bit of it as well. Today I'm going to be interrupting myself in the middle of songs, um, so hope that's not too irritating. Um, when, whenever Paul thinks of rain, swallows fall in a way. And tap on his windows with the beaks And when Paul thinks of snow Soft winds blow around his head This is the part that, that destroys me And the phone rings just once Late at night, like a bird calling out, won't you wake up, Paul? Don't be scared, don't believe you're all alone. So, uh, yeah, and the phone rings just once. I mean, it the, there's a story there, but it's, it's just the surface of it. There's a guy alone looking out the window. He sees the birds, and they tap on the window. 
and then he hears a phone. Uh, the phone rings late, one, late at night, and uh, and it's uh, sad and, and comforting at the same time. And when we were just talking about um, a poster you <laughs> you did for uh, High on Fire, being kind of a illustrating one of these points. We're talking about. We were just discussing the idea of um, the idea that, uh, as somebody who, who draws by hand, doesn't generally use computers, uh, prints uh, my own work uh, in my screen print shop, um, and does everything very much hands-on and, and analog. Um, that there are certain types of musicians that I feel like my work is in line with. Somebody like Shellac, with uh, features Bob Weston, who is doing sound upstairs. At, one of the other rooms here, um, or uh, or Andrew's work, um, bands that have sort of an, uh, a warm and natural feel to it. And I think that there are some of my peers in the poster nerd community who do more sort of uh, digital, like uh, harder, like sort of all their source material, everything uh, is never anything you physically can pick up or touch. It's all in the machine and that there are other bands that they're appropriate, that's appropriate for. So the, but we were talking um, specifically about um, like uh, kind of like if something's heavy and sad and, and serious, like you play off it. Our tendencies as songwriter, as, as an illustrator is to play off that, that, um, that darkness. Because, um, you know, that's one reason I never really got with goth music is it feels like it's kind of black on black, uh, and there's no contrast. How do you know how? You don't know what the sad parts are, because there's nothing to s hold up in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so uh, you know, I, I was giving an example of a poster that I made that I really like a handful of years ago, but it, it was wildly inappropriate for, a for the band. There was, a, there was a metal band called High on Fire, a really great band, but I know you all listen to them. You've got them out in the car. Um, they're awesome, but um, I made a poster that was sort of uh, had a picture of a yeti mowing the lawn, and and there, you know, there's sort of an. Uh, I'm not saying it's hilarious, but there's sort of a humor to that, and that was just. It was like the worst high on fire poster ever made because they're like this just brutal, serious, sinister band, or at least that's what their fans think they are, and. And though they're really nice guys, but um, so we were talking about, you know, aiming for well, you know, just yeah. not not being able to have sort of a lighter side to mm -hmm. contrast the darker side. Yeah, there's yes. a re there's a reaction we both know of like that kind of uh, funny, sad feeling where it makes you kind of like laugh, but you're kind of like, oh. <laughs> like uh, I don't know, it's. Like the Smiths or the Decemberists, you've yeah. seen it. Um, <laughs> so should we do the the sort of notes in the montage thing? Sure. Let's um. We're going back to the to the mysterious production of Eggs, which is a record we did in 2004, um, and we're going to kind of reveal our process for where Jay illustrated uh, all all the songs. <laughs> yeah, skip. Sort that. of skipping things ahead. Yeah. One of the other valuable things about having a relationship like this for me as an illustrator who's working for somebody is that I get to sit around and hear like Andrew go, I had the craziest dream last night. I was 
making breakfast and their eggs had like legs, like there were chicken legs in the eggs. And I'm like, hold, hold on a second, I gotta, <laughs> we got a t-shirt design here. I remember that one vividly, yeah. Because yeah. it was a vivid dream, but I also remembered like saying, yeah, but it's a frying pan like this, and then it's gotta be, and he's like, oh no, it should be like this, and anyway. Um, what do we got next? Well, I was gonna skip through the, uh, the remake of The Swimming Hour Do you have like the, the, title, the title pages the, with the coffee stains on? Yeah, we'll get, hold on. Oh, this is, Jake remade a, an old record called The Swimming Hour um, that has photographs that Nico Case took, a Polaroid uh, photo she took a long time ago. And uh, you can and see how, what low resolution the CD was. <laughs> It's a graphic design joke, you guys, I know you guys don't. <laughs> so and then there's little references, like all the trees in the background become, I've, I've actually never met any in my, anybody in my life who can't keep two gloves together for more than three minutes as much as Mr. Bird. Yeah. He's, yeah, all these two different gloves. Uh, so there's gloves in the, in the background instead of trees. Um, but, uh, what was it? Oh, we were going to talk about eggs. Let me skip ahead to that for a moment. No? <laughs> they don't want to hear about eggs. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so these are here. the Nico case Polaroids that Jay kind of uh, expounded on. Because I, I like what Jay does is he kind of takes the story to some other tangent, um, like the fish. And there's always like little subtle details. You're like, why, why is there an orange in the corner? You know. That's back there. There it is. Oh yeah, there's an orange in the corner. There's wow. an orange in the corner. I can't explain that. All right. All right, let's get on to the eggs. Yeah. No, here we go. There we go. Well, no. <laughs> that was a rejected idea for a storyboard for a music video that got turned into a t-shirt. It's very obvious. Mm. Okay, here we go. So back in 2004, we met, we sat down at Cafe Sel Marie here in Chicago and Andrew brought some ideas of what he wanted to call his new record. And, um, and I thought this was a pretty good one. But the mystic production of eggs, yeah. At some point, we both forgot that it was mystic and it turned into mysterious. I think he, he, he made that change at one point. So. Right. Um, so fake, fake palindromes. So these are the notes in, that are printed that I did. And then Jay has like little doodles and, and comments. Uh, to come after it, but um, I'm trying to encapsulate these songs uh, uh, in a few words, but fake palindromes, dead sewn up doll girl goes on a date with a monster, the union aided by a dating service, their unlikely pair ends up, their, this unlikely pair ends up performing trepanation on each other for fun, because um, they found something that they have in common. Um, and. Uh, why don't you go ahead to the image, and I'll just keep reading. It's after the title here. It's, uh, we'll get there in a second. Oh, right, 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 right. Gotcha. There's a sketch. There, there's a sketch of the fake palindromes, yeah. Um, and then, uh, sauve the, uh, is an anthem for deferred activism, a new word, sauve, washed ashore to describe unprecedented circumstances. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But um, neither does the song. So. That one stuck with, uh, with actual print. Uh, and then uh, Skin is My, 
I mean, there's so many things we could have possibly done, but we tried to stay away from literal uh, show and uh, see and say kind of stuff. Um, and uh, except in this case, where I sort of did. Yeah, there's a. I just I remember there's a memory of a guy on the on the street just fascinated with his own hand, um, and I thought stuck in my head. Um, uh, measuring cups. I say in the notes, self-explanatory, and then Jay writes, <laughs> Anna machine, mysterious lack of explanation, <laughs> explanation, AKA the, ele AKA the elephant truck. Uh, this is probably the most odd illustration in the whole Six thing. years later, I have no idea what this was about. <laughs> sure, the elephant truck. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the song is already kind of you can tell what I'm talking about in that song, I think. So why bother illustrating that? Then <laughs> um, happy birthday uh, song is a, a reminder to oneself to be musical even with the mundane or cliche. Like if all you had to sing on your last day on earth was happy birthday, uh, you'd have to make the best of it. Um, can, we tell the, can we go off a small tangent and talk about Dear Dirty that's quoted there on that, on that image? Uh, that? Yeah, that was a note you found on the street, right? Our friend Nick Butcher uh, found a note. He found a, a, a third grader's um, homework folder on the sidewalk and uh, was looking through it and for good ideas. <laughs> and amazingly, amazingly, there was a letter in there that was appeared to be a, a, a letter written from the point of view of a caveman, written to another caveman in small <laughs> cursive. Um, but it says, Dear Dirty, I'm a man stronging too. I, I live in a cave, uh, and I'm use, using the blood to draw animal like the bull. And, um, and so we had a good laugh about that, and then, and then Andrew saw it and, and um, added it over sort of the top of this uh, kind of a West African pop sort of thing that he was working on at the time. So that was yeah. after... That song appeared on one of the Fingerlings records, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, and I pretty much did it word for word for word the letter. I don't know why it's in Happy Birthday, really, but it was just gives us something to talk about. Yeah, and there's a of course a candle and a cup of coffee, um, and then uh, <laughs> opposite day, um, we had a couple sketches on this one, uh, but we we came up we just ended up with the upside down head. Um, and my notes are, wondering, hoping that something unprecedented would happen, a mutation, waking up and finding a tree branch growing out of your head, for example. He didn't choose to do that tree branch growing out of the head, uh, um, obviously. But on, on the notes, there's a bunch of little uh, trilobites drawn on there. Um, and then tables and chairs. Um, I like this one, actually. Um, along the same lines as Opposite Day, romanticizing the apocalypse because at least it'll change the status quo. Imagine putting on rock shows in the burned out banks of the world. The armchair apocalyptorian. That was the first time I'd written that. That was way before that record of that similar name. Um, but uh, yeah. The general idea was the idea just basically like, here's, here's the end of the world, but it's going to be OK. We're going to have gonna a picnic. Really, it's going to be actually pretty sweet. Um, there's going to be there's going to be snacks, and um, 
We may be on fire, but we'll, we'll be having yeah, a good time. Yeah, everything's going to be great, because we'll get to start over and uh, purify the world. Um, okay, so then I have notes from you. Cute animals, picnic barbecue, all on fire, burnt out city. You pretty much did that. Yeah. Jay, <laughs> you followed through. Um, <laughs> Master Fade, uh, this song has two sort of related themes. A relationship where someone has control over what they both see, thus the psychedelic fuzzy kitten and papillon parades. Uh, yeah. And then two, struggling against technology's hold on what one sees, trying to see the beauty of nature but only seeing zeros and ones. Yeah, there you go. Sure. It's kind of literal, but it's pretty. Um, the n oh, so this is, oh, banking on a myth. Okay. Uh, it's about the powers that be buying up all the myths in the world and intellectual property, for example, and flooding the market, driving prices down. Uh, people in the music industry who think they have it all figured out, they can get you to buy anything. Um, so this, this one's pretty loaded, but I, I had the idea of um, a real estate agent trying to um, move into a new territory, which is clouds, um, and uh, package them and, and sell them. Um, so the commod was, I remember it being sort of just the commodification of like the ethereal, like uh, uh, shared uh, knowledge or, or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, ideas and words, like when people just use the word genius too much, it drives me crazy. Like, or, um, just kind of drives the value of those things down. You know, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, and then I'm going to get to a song that I'm going to play for you because I think it's got the most to talk about in it. It's called MX Missiles. Oh, there's some sketches out. Oh, we didn't do Nervous Tick. Oh, that's all right. That's right. Um, Let's find MX Missiles. MX, that's MX Missiles, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so this, one, this song was just loaded. But what we were talking about earlier, about the, the funny, sad, the darkness, things getting so uh, tragic that you've got to have a sense of humor about it. Um, and uh, this is one song where, um, uh, well, the title ta is, I picture two kids out on, on the sidewalk um, competing about whose dad is the strongest. I remember having this competition when I was six or seven. And, you know, my dad can pick up a bank, or my dad can uh, pick up the world, or my dad's atom bomb proof, and my dad's H bomb proof, and well, my dad's MX missile proof. Or, and uh, you know, in the Cold War, MX missiles. Um, uh, but this is about how, when I was 18 or 19, um, a lot of people I'd grown up with my whole life that I never really knew that well, um, and always remained kind of two-dimensional because uh, uh, because you knew them from before you were conscious, uh, probably, or, or they just, you know, they never popped out of the foreground and became distinct individuals to you. And they started just dropping like flies, like committing suicide and, um, in really dramatic ways. And I didn't want to admit in the song, because it's very dangerous to, to, and I felt guilty admitting that I was somewhat impressed by that. Um, to go down in such a, you know, dramatic way when I always, they were 
the popular kids, you know, that that uh, that didn't seem very, I don't know, complex. And then, um, so the song. Are you saying that like it gave you, you an evidence of an inner life that you'd never really had an impression of? But unfortunately, it took them a, a drastic. Right. It, obviously, thing. it's a screwed up way to find out that they're. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughtful. So, um, not being a confessional singer-songwriter, <laughs> uh, I, I'm like, how am I going to, you know, I don't know if I really thought about it that much, honestly, but, um, but I'll just, I'm going to interrupt myself throughout the song. Those who would judge will say you're aloof, but you know that the truth is a seed, you know what you need is a conflagration. Because when I see the blood and the bits of your broken tooth, I know it gives me the proof that you bleed. It's the proof that I need. And it's a revelation. It's a revelation. It's a revelation. So this refers to one um, person I grew up with who, um, like, super popular in, in junior high and high school and, and like, uh, committed suicide by self-immolation in her in her basement, and um, uh, and that that's the conflagration part. Um, and then it this the next verse goes into um, like a Fourth of July parade in Lake Bluff, Illinois, where I grew up. Boom, 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 boom. Up in the hardware store, propped up on the front lawn, watching the parade of those legionnaires with two by fours. Is a marching off to war, marching off to war. So, um, a lot of people think this is anti war song, which I'd be fine with that interpretation, but um. It's just talking about the, the, what do you call it, the color guards on the 4th of July and the, the fake guns that they, um, and, and uh, the paper doll, the two-dimensional two paper doll, which I think is, yeah. So Jay's kind of doing something he might have done uh, for the record. Then the, the bridge is, uh, I didn't know what you were made of color of your blood, what you're afraid of. The next part is like a digression. And this is a story I like to tell rather than the ritualistic suicide, because that kind of is not always fun at a rock concert um, to talk about. But um, when I was in ninth grade in biology class, um, uh, one of these industrial films about the periodic table of elements uh, was being shown. And there are guys in lab coats, and these little globules of calcium in pure form. And they were, they were cutting calcium with razor blades. And they looked like little water chestnuts. And, and uh, you know, you're, there's a lot of hormones flying around at that age. And I, I found it very arousing. <laughs> um, and, but but the, it works back into the song. It's not a total digression, because calcium in its pure form is... is uh, toxic and that was 
That was the point I was trying to make. Um, you were in the grass. Uh, I didn't know what you were made of. Color of your blood, what you're afraid of. Are you made of calcium or are you carbon-based? And if you're made of calcium, I'll have to take a taste. Because, listen, calcium is deadly, but tender to the tooth. And it's one surefire way to know if you're MX missile-proof. Oh, I think you're just aloof. And you were in the ground in late November When the leaves and earth were down Did you think they would remember how you almost made state champ Cause when you're running for the game against Alphonsus You fell upon the ground and chipped your tooth Oh, now you might really have surprised us To learn that you weren't really MX Missile Proof Well, I thought you were a life-size paper doll And you propped up in the hardware store you were propped up on the front lawn watching the parade of those legionnaires with two by fours as they're marching off to war. Marching off to war. Now they're marching. Oh. So that's that. Uh, MX missiles are. Um, so, uh, oh, the next one um, I was going to do for you is, is a little more abstract than that one. Um, it's called The Naming of Things, and I, I, never, I don't do the song very often, um, but it's, it's, it's about, it definitely doesn't have a narrative to it, it's just talking about memory just a couple ideas about memory. It's very open-ended, um, but it's got some interesting stories bundled in there that aren't apparent. Well, I didn't know, for example, where the title of the song came from. Oh, right, right. It comes from an um, Audrey Niffenegger print. Um, you might know her as, as a novelist, but she's a brilliant printmaker. And uh, uh, she had a, a drawing that I had for a while, or a, a print of, of like a, a little fetus of a child and then these little objects, mundane objects with names, and it was called The Naming of Things, and I like that. Just, I like the text as, as much as the image, and it stuck in my head. Um, and it became the title of this song about, about memory, and it's, it's talking about, you know, when people say that inanimate objects have memory, like a sweater has memory, or a couch has you know, when you sit on a couch, it, uh, but the question is, that I still haven't figured out, is are we talking about that the couch has the memory of your, of your butt after you've sat on it, or does it remember the way it was before you sat on it? I think it's the latter, generally, is when you talk about memory of a, of a sweater or what have you, but um, 
but also just the idea of like when someone makes an impression on you, I never, you don't think about what that word, I don't think about what that word means really, but until you think like, oh yeah, it's just like they're indenting something on you. Like, um, and uh, so this, you remind me of you, the way you shot right through and how. You broke my window glass fast It happened so fast Now I have to confess that I I was impressed that I I was impressed that I Despite all the mess and all the broken glass I was impressed And then the song goes into an actual personal childhood memory Since we're on the subject of memory when I was three years old and on vacation in the north woods of Wisconsin, I was fishing with my dad on the dock and I, he didn't quite realize it, but I, I used to talk quite a bit when I was that age and <laughs> I, I had fallen off the pier into the, in a very shallow, like just two feet of water. And uh, I just laid there on my back at the bottom of the lake and looking up and I could see the water bugs above me on the surface tension of the water, um, skating around. And my dad only noticed something was wrong because I had stopped talking. Um, and then he <laughs> turned around and fished me out. But um, here's where I disappear, where I fall off the pier in two. And to be rescued, I did wait. Watch water bugs skate as they draw figure eights, as they draw from the bottom of the lake as they draw. I watch water bugs skate as they draw From the bottom of the lake I watch the water bugs skate And the next line is totally bizarre and no one ought to know what this means uh, but I'm going to explain it to you. <laughs> Memories like mohair sweaters stretched and peeled for distress letters We've already talked about that. Moose's horns and figure eights, why plastic bags in search of mates. What suffocates the land is the memory of garbage can, the memory of garbage can. Okay, so uh, one cold winter afternoon in Chicago, I was walking at Western Avenue and Division, and there was a, a high school there, a public high school. And it was kind of desolate, and there were white plastic bags flying around in the wind. And then there were these big oil barrel garbage cans um, all around the kind of plaza there. And uh, I uh, just saw that they, there were murals painted on the garbage cans and they said they were, one of them said, in memory of, um, and then I couldn't see beyond that because it was, went around the edge of the garbage can. So um, I thought that was kind of sad and very funny as well, that there's a garbage can. Um, dedicated to a well, loved that's, one that's very, that's very sad that, that you would have a memorial on a garbage can to begin with, but it made me think that it was the garbage can itself that was <laughs> missing its friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, that's, that's kind of tender and sweet. Um, so, uh, and the moose's horns and figure eights, that's also another, that's just something I'm also, uh, when I was younger, I found figure eights and the fuzz on moose's horns to be kind of 
also exciting. Um, as well as <laughs> calcium. Um, so what comes next? You, you can't be found when the bell rings. stuff of Mysterious Production of Eggs has kind of a scholastic theme, so there's a lot of homeroom bells and uh, lockers and hallways and schools. And, um, and then the Can we talk about, did you already talk about the, the dis <coughs> despite all the mess and all the broken glass that you were impressed, but the, imp the impressed wasn't necessarily like, it's more that it had made an impression on you and the concept of yeah, I talked about Did that. Did I miss that? I was drunk. No, that's cool. Sorry. No, it's understandable. We're, we're just, the, the question of whether um, the bear is remembering. It's very confusing to this day. The bear is trying to remember how it was before the yeah. smaller bear left. <laughs> yeah. uh, departed from being embedded in the other bear. <laughs> so we talk about literal, literal real world situations here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm going to, uh, I thought this would be good to go into another song about memory that I just wrote in the last month or so, taking a different angle on a similar theme. Um, and uh, it's called The Lazy, Lazy Projector, and it's more about selective memory. Why do we choose to remember certain things, or who's, or we don't really choose, that's the thing. Something's deciding, though. What is it? And how you piece your own narrative together um, and you choose to omit certain things and, uh, you know, uh, make some things more important. And uh, just the idea that that's kind of uh, an important thing that's kind of left to, uh, left to this mysterious directive inside of you, I guess. Um, I should say also the, the end of this song is from, I was writing a song for a Hollywood movie, I won't say what it is, but there's a, a, a pig and a frog involved. Uh, <laughs> and it got turned down, they didn't want it, but it was, it was about this particular frog that uh, was lamenting why, uh, why this band of ragtag um, Misfits uh, decided to break up uh, years ago. Um, so I'm, not, I'm just not going to name names. If memory serves us, then who owns the master? And how do we know who's projecting the real? And is it like rule or like quick drying plaster? Tell me how long till the paint starts to peel Is it like Paramus or Apollo Or not sure we don't know Though history repeats itself And time's a crooked bow 
that Times a Crooked Bow is from an old song. Um, then when I wrote it, I just liked the way it sounded. And now it's not till this till now that I understand better what it means. But um, that kind of nonlinear arc to your own history sometimes just uh, I don't I just thought Times a Crooked Bow like kind of sums it up. Um, and so I started thinking about archers of history. And Paramus was just a, a bit player in the Siege of Troy. Not really notable. And it's also a town in New Jersey. Um, many, many songs written about Paramus. Yeah. 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 For example? Uh, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> oh. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Burned. Um, so time's a crooked bow. Tell us something we don't know. Now who's the best boy in the casting director? And the editor's slicing your face from the scene It's all in the hands of a lazy projector That forgetting embellishing lying machine That forgetting embellishing lying machine They say all good things must come to an end Every day the night must fall But how it all came to this I simply can't recall Too many cooks in the kitchen but How the mighty must fall But I can't see the sense in us Breaking up it all No, I can't see the sense in us Breaking up it all It's all in the hands of a lazy projector That forgetting embellishing lying machine That's a... Uh, put a frog up there. What's that? Put a frog Just up there. Put a frog. Just a nondescript frog. It could be yeah. any frog. It might be any frog. Not, not a character that might be dear to us or anything. Like that. No. Um, Would anybody like to fight? <laughs> Fighting? Okay, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. Good question. <laughs> Good question. Um, didn't you do, is the elephant missing part of it? Oh, yeah, so well, that was what we were talking about as far as yeah. uh, you started in with the uh, memory being somewhat subjective and uh, your own personal right. elephant, of course. Uh, Given a minute and a half to come up with an idea, I came with the uh, you know elephant representing memory uh, because they are large. Um, and uh, but if uh, it becomes subjective, if you know elephant never forgets, but except this part's gone. Could you? No. Okay. I'll uh, I'll no yeah I know it's I'll work on it. 
I'll work on it. Usually doesn't happen this this fast. But yeah. I mean, you know, and under pressure. Yeah. Uh, you want to ask a question? <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to understand my own songs uh, after they've been written. That's a better time to ask those questions is when they're done. But, and, and working with Jay helps me find threads in my songs. Sometimes it's not always um, contained within one song. It's sometimes there's a thread that pops up in another song. And this, this process kind of helps me understand that. And I, I'm, usually amazed that the songs make as much sense as they do, and this helps me kind of feel better about that. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, I, it's interesting to watch. I think Andrew, you know, like you said, sort of writes the song first and then figures out what it's about afterwards. Uh, no, we don't necessarily sit around and do this specifically for fun, but we've had such a long working relationship um, that there's, there's often... Um, I do a number of concert posters for, for his, you know, 250 shows a year or whatever it is and and uh, try to uh, you know try and have something that relates specifically to a song uh, sometimes uh, actually a lot of the time um, sometimes it's more intensive like we're doing an album like mysterious production of eggs or sometimes it's just more trying to have an image related to a poster for the show in North Carolina in a something that uh, some other fan of Andrew's music would be able to pick out like, oh, hey, that's about the giant of Illinois that he's been playing recently, for example. Right. Did that answer the question? Or would you say you're very satisfied? Somewhat satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat satisfied? Also, okay. also, I think um, working with Jay helps, is good for my mental health. Uh, <laughs> because I get, you get so focused on you know, executing the music and writing it, and it's all such a private thing. So is drawing. Um, when, you know, it's a very solitary thing. And to collaborate with someone else in a different media, just like, is such a, a joy. And also just, I find like, I physically relax when I'm like doing this stuff. You know, I get tendonitis sometimes from just being so damn focused. and. Just kind of helps blow it open. Yeah. Yeah, that's an, that's like you're saying. That was something else that we were discussing. The fact that this is, you know, Andrew. Instead of just playing these songs and presenting them to you um, as here's this finished piece, it's like sort of looking looking at the writing process and in this in this you know the writing process that happens you know often in his barn or in the apartment or whatever. And that's a very private process. I've I've drawn in front of my wife, and Andrew's seen me draw, but I think that's about it. Uh, and I've never, certainly never drawn a, a frog on a elephant shooting arrows in front of several hundred people. So, um, so it's sort of a parallel there. But yeah, and I usually find at the end, the goal is not to answer questions necessarily. Like I said, it was to figure out what my songs are about, but 
usually at the end of this, you're left with more questions than answers, and that's, I think that's a good thing. And uh, songwriting, I like, another thing that makes it less solitary is like to say like, what does this word mean to you? I'm really transfixed by this word, you know? And uh, like apocrypha, for instance, like macrame. I have all these, what? Macrame. Macr or lacrame. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you make up words. Anyway, um, but that's, I don't know. I just enjoy, um, uh, I don't want to be done ever uh, or finished with a song. So I keep, I keep taking dark matter and swapping it out with sweet matter and, and you know, sweet breads and mixing up the first song I did, like mixing verses and, um, and then putting things up against each other to see what they say to each other. Um, Do you want to play something else? Or I think there are a couple other people how, that had questions at the moment. Well, how, how are we on time? I need a sense of that. Um, We've sort of wandered wildly off course, which is good. I got a couple options I could do. I could do, I could do Fiery Crash. Um, and I'm not gonna do the whole, maybe not the whole song for you, but um, there's, a, there's a funny story about how songs continue after they're done um, and come back to haunt you. Um, and uh, so, I start with this song. This song is kind of about um, hurling through space and seeing so many human faces in a day and being in airports and planes and buses and developing your own kind of like uh, superstitions to deal with the modern world and, and, and trying not to lose your empathy when you are in a different town every night and just, just being kind of overwhelmed and kind of losing your grip a little bit. And so one thing I do to this day is every time I'm about to get on an airplane. At the very moment I'm crossing the threshold between the airport and the jetway, I have to envision the plane crashing in a very graphic, awful way. Because if you do that, why would it happen? That would be redundant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't not do this um, anymore. It's just it's one of those things I did the first time I got on a plane. And uh, uh, so the funny thing happened more recently. Um, you know, we're all familiar with a lot of bands uh, licensing their songs to uh, TV commercials and and, um, and in this particular song, Fiery Crash, I talk about I try to avoid generally topical popular things, but sometimes it just it gets your point across so well. So there's this line um, beige tiles and magazines, Lou Dobbs and the CNN team on every monitor screen you, we were, you were caught in the crossfire um, and what I was referring to is, is how CNN has an exclusive contract with O'Hare Airport and other airports uh, to be the only news source in a public space, which seems like, it seems kind of wrong. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the kind of divine justice in this is that I, I did license some songs to Marriott that uh, had an exclusive contract with CNN, who has an exclusive contract with O'Hare Airport. So every time I get on this plane, I have to hear my own music playing. And it's not just, and it's my music all kind of sliced to bits. And, uh, and it's really disturbing and distracts me from my 
my um, the, my necessary <laughs> ritual. preparation. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of funny. Machines, you were hurling through space. G forces twisting your face. Breeding superstition, a fatal premonition. And to save our lives, you got to envision. And you wake up, face stuck to a vinyl satay. Oh, a line was starting to break up, just as you were starting to say something apropos. I don't know. As you reaching for your mace, so it's kind of an imposition, fatal premonition to save our lives. You got to envision and to save all our lives. You got to envision and to save all our lives. Got to envision fiery crash. It's just a formality. Or must I explain? Just a nod to mentality before you get on. Before you get on this plane. 
I didn't, I didn't see what you, what did you draw? I'm sorry? Oh, what, what it's, happened? Uh, it's always been my favorite line from that song is the, you wake up and your, your face stuck to a vinyl settee. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, you know, yeah, that nothing, nothing more relaxing than <laughs> passing out for 45 minutes in an airport lounge. Yeah. It's very yeah, comforting. No, that, that happened um, in, uh, it brings me to the next song, which is kind of about port towns in Europe. That happened in Marseille. It's about um, what? I, I, port towns. Oh, port, port towns. towns. Yes. Like, okay. Mar like Lisbon or Marseille or, oh. you know, something. I always start to lose my grip in, in port towns. And I remember waking up in a disgusting club with my face literally stuck to a vinyl couch. That also happened in Seattle. So when something happens twice, you should put it in a song. <laughs> That's not really a rule. Um, uh, but anyway, um, I think I got time for these two. I, I was going to do probably one of the weirdest songs I've written, um, maybe ever. It's kind of in the category of the song itself is an example of what you're trying to talk about. Like the, um, this song is called uh, Tenuousness, and the very title, the sound of that word, is like a rickety rope bridge. It's, you know, kind of onomatopoeic, it's just tenuousness. So anyway, this is also similar to Fiery Crash, like when you're kind of hurling through space and starting to, to lose your grip. And um, yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, it's it's just a, a really dense uh, collection of of images from being on tour, um, and uh, no intention of telling a story whatsoever. Um, but there are so many stories in there. Um, At best was all he had to say when pressed about the rest of it, the world that is. From proto-Sanskrit Minoans to proto-centric Lisboans, Greeks, Cypriots, and Habasots hang around the ports a lot. Uh -huh. Okay, that's got so much in there. And I was just in this part of the world recently, so it, it's fresh in my mind. In fact, I did it for in a lecture in, in Lisbon just a couple weeks ago, um, where I just always marvel that if you take you can take a tiny country and people will find ways of finding differences within that country, um, like the Greek, Greek Cypriots or in Portugal. You know, north and south are drastically different, and it's not it's only a couple hours apart, um, and they seem to really enjoy that difference. Um, but uh, so there's a lot of talk of um, port towns. Uh, there's a couple other things in there. Um, so now you see where the, you see where the song's going, right? Your your Alex syntax. Oh yeah, that's the next next verse. Like yeah, I was on a plane um, somewhere in in Eastern Europe, and um, I walked on, and there's a guy sitting there reading a book called Your Alex syntax, and I thought, and he had a big bushy beard, and I thought that was interesting. You just don't see that every day. That's just. Um, uh, well, here's where things start getting weird while chinless men will scratch their beards, uh-huh. Tool the minds to sharpen axes, brush upon the uralics and taxes. 
Love of hate axes and axis, love of hate axes and axis, oh. First it wanes and then it waxes. Ten you us nest last seven comes to three. Them you us plus eleven comes just shy infinity. And that's for those who live and die for numerology. Nice. I debate whether I should even talk about this next time. <laughs> when coprophagia was written, no when to stand, no when to sit, can't stand to stand, can't stand to sit, and who'd want to know this? Click, 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 click. It's really not meant to be scatological, but coprophagia is, it's kind of disgusting, but it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, they know. They know, okay. I'm not really talking about that, I'm talking about just like a, a, a destructive loop of, which is what's happening in this song. <laughs> um. Who wants to look upon this? to look upon this pray tell less seven comes to three them you us plus eleven thank the heavens for the elasticity and that's for those who live and die for astronomy yeah that's uh... yeah that's astronomy um okay so i'm thinking it's time for the final number or Well, uh, this one is, is inspiring and rousing, and we talked about it earlier. It involves the, uh, the apocalypse and burning animals <laughs> and, and snacks. But um, I think in, uh, since this is the 10th anniversary, uh, I would very much like to involve everyone here in the um, execution of this song. Um, I actually really need your help, because um, can't get to the violin in time to play the the theme of the song, um, which goes like this. It's wordless, which is good. So when that comes around, help me out. Also, if you want to whistle, there's a lot of whistle parts. There's um. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Remember. Um, uh, and then if you want to sing, why not? Why stop there? <laughs> we were tired of being mild. 
That comes after the, um, the wordless part. But if you uh, want to sing that, that'd be helpful too. first part instead of the ending. Wait, sorry, never mind. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, thanks. Um, thanks, Julie, for asking us to do this, and it's been fun. I think I like doing stuff like this where it forces me to think. Out of our comfort zone. Out of our comfort zone, yes. Um, and I hope it was somehow you could find some way to relate all this business to your craft. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so here we go, our exit song. We can call them friends, we can call them on red telephones And they won't pretend that they're too busy, all oh, they're not alone And if we can call them friends, we can call Holler at them down these hallowed halls But we can't let the human factor fail to be a factor at all Don't you worry about the atmosphere or any sudden pressure change. Cause I know all oh, that is starting to get warm in here and things are starting to get strange. Oh, and how, how I wish 
And we were tired of being mine And we were Oh, so tired I know we're gonna meet someday In the crumbled financial institutions of this land there will be tables and chairs, pony rides and dancing bears, there'll even be a band. Position after the fall, there'll be no more countries, no currencies at all. We're gonna live on our wits, throw away survival kits, trade butterfly knives for Adderall. That's a true story too, butterfly knives. I knew someone who, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> And that's not all. No. There's gonna be snacks. Yeah. Both sweet and savory. So don't worry. Thanks, Jay, for doing this, and Julie. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming, and thanks to Andrew and Jay for giving this a go, trying something new in front of all of us. They're going to be outside. If you have some questions, please feel free to uh, ask them. They'll be sitting at the tables. So this brings the festival to a close. I want to also just one more time thank our most important lead sponsors of the whole shebang, not just this weekend, but the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the MacArthur Foundation have very much made the Third Coast Festival possible into its 10th year. So please, another big round for them both. <laughs>